Okay, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible said, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thy art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I bow to thank you for the word of God and for another privilege that you have given that I might stand and minister your word to these who have come to listen tonight. Oh God, I pray you'd speak to my heart and the hearts of each one. Lord, may we know your plan for our life and then be obedient to that plan. God, just do a work in hearts for your glory and we'll praise you for your worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Bible says in the book of Mark, chapter 10 and verse 6, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now, there's been an effort, of course, and I think more so in, in uh, recent years, to break down the line of distinction between male and female. But God made us all very different. And God uh, didn't make any mistakes. And, uh, you know... Uh, if he made you a, a male, then that's because God meant it that way. And if God made you a female, then that's because God meant it that way. And we all need one another. But we see here, as a result of the curse of God upon sin, verse 16, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. So childbirth, would be uh, sorrowful as it is. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And this is another result of the curse. You know, I was thinking of this, and I think God helped me understand it a little clearer than I had uh, before. Uh, you know, the way a, a man conducts himself toward his wife after he's saved should be entirely different than before he is saved. And I think if a person lives with an unsaved husband, that they live under that rule uh, without uh, uh, the blessings as it ought to be. But, uh, you know, the uh, authority is still there uh, to the saved family, but it is in a different context altogether, or certainly it should be. Now, we're going to look at this tonight in three respects as we did last week, the place of the woman in the home, in the church, and in uh, society. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, but I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ, 
and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now the man has a place of responsibility, a place of authority, a place of responsibility in the home, as we pointed out. And this place of authority in that home is only uh, received from Christ. Now he said the head of every man is Christ. Now as a man exercises his authority in the home and the family, it is only as he receives authority from God. And if a man doesn't do it, receiving his instructions from the Lord, then, uh, of course, he is exercising authority in the wrong way. Because this is the order, uh, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. And so we are to receive instructions from a higher power. We exercise authority, but only according to the Word of God, not according to our own ideas that we may make up along the way. Now, Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Then I want you to turn to a very familiar scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and... Uh, uh, verse uh, 21, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Well, if you look back at verse 18, he says to be filled with the Spirit, and we find the results of that is, uh, is uh, singing and making metal in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks. And then in verse 21, notice what he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, sometimes we only think of submission being the woman's responsibility. But here he says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then he breaks it down and to the wife, first of all, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So uh, again, it is assuming a Christian home with a husband following the direction of the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit, and receiving instruction from the Word of God, and from God, and then uh, exercising that authority in the home. And then in that case, the wife has a responsibility to submit unto the husband, as they would do unto the Lord. So to submit unto the husband, if the husband is is uh, following the Word of God, is submitting to the Lord. Rebelling against the husband that is following the Lord and following the Word of God is rebelling against the Lord. Then he goes on and he says, uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now God wrote this. I didn't write it. And it's pretty clear there. And he's illustrating the relationship uh, between uh, the church and Christ. As I've said before, if our homes are what they ought to be, then it will illustrate to a lost world the relationship and the love that Christ has 
for his church. Now he says in everything, uh, do we have the right to pick and choose the scriptures that we want to obey? We say, well, I believe this scripture and I reject this scripture and I believe this scripture and I reject this scripture. So, as uh, thinking in, uh, in the context of what we talked about last week, the husband's place of authority, but also a place of great responsibility. So God is going to hold us responsible for our conduct and if we follow the word of God in this area. Now I want you to turn on over to the book of First Timothy and chapter number 5. There's a verse there. I think that kind of summarizes it. He's talking about the widows. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5, page 1277, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and, uh, and verse 14, and he talks about the younger widows here, the younger uh, women, but I think certainly it goes beyond the widows because in verse 11 he talks about the widows here and then on down verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So we have three responsibilities of a wife in the home. And the first responsibility is as a wife. Back in the book of Genesis, the Bible said there was not an help that was meet for Adam. And God took a rib and made a woman and brought her unto Adam and uh, to be a help meet for Adam. So the first responsibility of a woman that's married is the responsibility of a wife. And certainly that is a a great responsibility is all you that have husbands know. <laughs> so uh, he said, I will that they marry and uh, uh, have a husband. And then he goes on and he says, bear children. So the, uh, the second responsibility is that of a mother. And that is certainly is a tremendous responsibility. Let me say tonight, there is no greater calling of God. There is no greater job in the world than to be a mother. There is no harder job, especially in today's environment when there are so many pressures to try to drag children away from God. The responsibility of trying to guide children and teach children and train them in the way that they should go. I've referred to Susanna Wesley before. I believe, if I remember right, she had 17 or 19 children. And she spent an hour, uh, I believe it was an hour a day, praying for them. She spent an hour each week individually with all that many children, one hour every week, counseling and giving instruction to those children. And every single one of her children went on to serve God and live for God and was involved in the work of the Lord. But it, it was a tremendous price and a tremendous responsibility, but uh, she took it seriously and had some good results. So, the responsibility of a wife and the responsibility of a mother. And then he goes on and says uh, to guide the house. To guide the house. 
and to give direction uh, to the family and the home. And again, that is a, a great responsibility and a great privilege and opportunity. Then turn on over, if you will, a few pages to the book of Titus where he has more to say about it. The book of Titus in chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2 and uh, uh, verse... Uh, he talks about the aged men there. Then in verse 3, The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, and teachers of good things. So thank God for older women that, uh, that have a responsibility. Notice he said the aged women. He don't call them old women. You know, <laughs> aged, aged women. And uh, that uh, it talks about the behavior becometh holiness. And certainly, uh, you know, we have, most of us, I think, have fond memories of our grandparents. And uh, uh, my grandparents have all passed on. And, and, uh, but the memory of them stays with me. In the, in the memory of a grandmother, uh, when I mention that, the thought probably comes to your mind of someone that is godly, loved the Lord, and tried to set a good example for you to follow. And I think certainly aged women need to set those kind of examples. And uh, uh, not given to much wine. That don't mean you can have a little. That, that simply means not given to drunkenness. <laughs> and, uh, and to be a teacher of good things. And the reason is in verse 4, that they may teach the young women uh, to be sober. This has to do with the mind. To have sober thoughts. And you know, you've, you've, uh, to, to have the right kind of thinking, you've got to be careful what you put in the mind. You know, sometimes I, I make visits and, and I find, I find uh, uh, people watching soap operas and uh, fill in their mind and, uh, one, uh, uh, one lady told me, said, why, I said, I said, you can't miss those soap operas, can you? She said, why, you can miss it for six months and watch it again and pick back up and, and never know you'd missed anything because probably hadn't been two days since the last event. Uh, but uh, anyway, to be sober and to love their husbands. And again, this goes the responsibility of being a wife. So uh, an aged mother... Aged woman needs to be able to teach and set the example by, by their lifestyle and then by their teaching to be able to teach the young women how to treat a husband. Now some, some girls grow up and don't, don't, you know, they don't ever learn how to do that. And, and, and may I just refer, I got on the men last week, but I probably should mention that likewise some men grow up and, and don't know how to treat a wife. And that's the reason sometimes that, that uh, families uh, fall apart uh, is because they don't have that instruction. Well, uh, certainly the aged men ought to be able to teach young men and the aged women to teach the young women to love their husbands. Now evidently this is something that has to be taught. Uh, you know, people, people grow up with 
uh, with the idea of, uh, you know, that, that love is an infatuation. You know, you're just, uh, you know, you're just going to, this strange feeling's going to come over you and, and, uh, and they, they call that love. But the Bible said here you have to be taught how to love. A, a young lady needs to be taught how to, uh, how to love their husbands. And love is something that you give and love is something that you learn from God. And then to love their children. Think of that. That that would have to be taught. You'd think that would be natural. The Bible said though they would be without natural affection. And, and uh, young uh, ladies and young mothers need to be instructed on how to love their children according to this. Titus said, I want you aged women to teach young women how to love their husbands and how to love their children and the responsibility that they have and to be discreet and chaste and keepers at home and good and obedient to their own husbands and the reason for it is that the word of God be not blasphemed. Then he goes on and talks about the young men. But the word of God be not blasphemed. Because if we, uh, if we reject the Word of God, uh, if we don't live by the Word of God, then who gets, who gets dishonored? The Lord gets dishonored, don't he? Uh, it reflects on the Lord. If I don't live right, it reflects on the Lord, see, and may keep someone from the Lord. And it may reflect on children, and they may not come uh, to know the Lord. Now, you say, well, what if my husband is unsaved? What if my husband is lost? Then what is my responsibility? Okay, turn over to 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and, uh, and verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3 and, uh, and verse number 1. Okay, page 13, 14, 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, the question may come up. Well, what of my husband? My husband don't love God. He don't, uh, he don't go to church and he won't listen to the word of God. And I'm saved, then what's my responsibility? Well, the Bible said here uh, that they can be won by the conversation of the wives. It has to do with the behavior. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, something they can see, who's adorned, let not be that outward adorned, playing the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection, unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, small L there, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. So uh, the responsibility goes beyond uh, even a saved husband. If my husband isn't saved, do I still have to submit? And the answer is yes. And primarily for the purpose of winning them to Christ. And many of an unsaved husband has been won to Christ by the godly behavior and lifestyle of a Christian wife. Now there are some who believe that you're to submit in Ephesians there where he says submitting in everything. 
And they say that means everything. If your husband wants you to drink, then drink. If he wants you to dance, dance. Now, I do not believe that. There are preachers that believe that. And I respect, uh, respectfully disagree with them. Uh, because there's another scripture, there's another scripture in the book of Acts that says we ought to obey God rather than men. So when it comes to the point, am I to obey God or am I to obey men, then we always obey the Lord. But when we do not have to disobey God, then I believe the wife is to be in submission to her husband, uh, even though he may be an unsaved uh, husband. And the book of Ephesians, I believe he's talking about saved wives and husbands when he says be submissive in everything in that case. So this is the place of, uh, of uh, responsibility of the wife in the home. Now let's move along and talk about the church and uh, the responsibility in the church. Turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> 1 Timothy and, uh, and chapter 2, I think we touched on this last week. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, verse 11, and he said, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now there's two things here. I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now we just got through reading, we just got through reading the book of Titus that the aged women are to teach the young women. So is that a contradiction? No. I think what he's, if he studied this in the context, he's talking about teaching in a position of exercising authority. And when you do that, then it is wrong. It's because the Bible says the aged women can teach the young women in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. And then in Proverbs 1 and verse 8, Forsake not the law of thy mother. And we also read there in Timothy where the woman is to guide the house. So woman, the woman has responsibility or can teach uh, children and can, may teach younger women. But a woman should not, uh, should not uh, uh, teach an adult uh, class where you have men and women or teach an adult men's class. And that happens, you wouldn't believe the churches that happens in. But I believe it is a violation of Scripture, the clear Word of God. Uh, and so, uh, again, a woman can teach children, can teach young women, but is not to be teaching uh, in a place of authority. And he gives us the reasons. In verse 13 through 15, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And uh, Adam was not deceived, uh, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And that goes back to the scripture we read there in the book of Genesis where he said that I'll multiply your sovereign conception, thy desire shall be thy husband, and he shall rule over thee, indicating that this would be a kind of rule that uh, would, uh, a woman would be uncomfortable with. Not a loving, godly uh, rule that a Christian husband ought to exert, but a situation uh, that would be a curse to the woman. 
And, uh, but anyway, he said the woman was deceived. Adam was not deceived. He went into it with his eyes open, and Eve was deceived, notwithstanding, she should be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and wholeness with sobriety. Now, some believe that this is talking about that, you know, if a woman has a baby, she'll be saved. Well, certainly we know that is not true. That would violate many other scriptures. But it's through the woman that God sent the Son of God into the world. The Lord Jesus came and brought salvation uh, to all men. And so uh, it is a place, uh, again, uh, it's a place of submission in the home. It's a place of submission in the church. In 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn there, please, 1 Corinthians and uh, uh, chapter number 14. And uh, if you study these chapters, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he is dealing with the subject of tongues uh, in the church and all the problems that uh, had been created in the church at Corinth and all the problems, may I say, that are created by today. And these scriptures certainly would eliminate most of the problems. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 34, well, let me read verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Well, does that mean uh, all are gonna, you ladies are going to have to stay out of the choir now when we have a congregation of what you're singing? And, uh, uh, you know, don't ever testify because you, you're not, not allowed to speak. Is that what he's talking about? Uh, well, I don't believe so. You've got to stay in the context, and I think if you stay in the context, it's very clear what he's talking about. You read the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, and he's talking about tongues. That's the subject that he's talking about. And it's written in that context. And so in the early church, in this church at Corinth, where they, uh, they were having all the confusion, and God said he's not the author of confusion. And he said, now the women are not permitted to speak in tongues. That's what he's talking about. Not that women can't sing and testify and teach children and teach women. Uh, certainly they can and are encouraged to. But if you read back in the verses uh, before, uh, and last part of verse 26, let all things be done unto edifying. And in verse 27, if any man speak an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course means one at a time. Not over two or three in any one service. That by course, one at a time. Let one interpret. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. And so this was the order. Only the men spoke in tongues. Now the modern tongue movement would die dead as a hammer if they were obedient to this scripture. And that's not, that's not any reflection on women in general. That's just the truth. Uh, but uh, uh, the Bible is very clear uh, in, in this, uh, in this uh, matter here. And so the Bible speaks for itself. And in the case uh, of, this, of the tongues there, he said if they want to know, let them ask their husbands at home. Okay, let's move on to society. Uh, the place of the woman uh, in society, probably tens of thousands of sermons have been preached from this scripture. 
and he talks about the virtuous woman. And uh, certainly a model, I think, for any wife and mother uh, to follow. And uh, he describes this woman and uh, what a woman this is. And in uh, verse 20, we'll not look at all of it, but in verse 20, the Bible said, She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Now the gate was where the business was conducted of the city. And in this case, the husband was known there. Uh, and I think certainly because one, that, one thing that contributed to it, one thing that allowed him to feel this place of responsibility, maybe he had a place, a, 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 an uh, official office uh, in the city there to take care of this responsibility. And he could do that because of the kind of wife he had. Verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Now, if you read all these verses that we didn't take time to read again tonight, you will find it deals with a household over and over and over again. And so the primary responsibility of a wife is to care for the family, to be a wife, to be a mother, and to take care of the children and take care of the house. That is the primary responsibility. And uh, here... Uh, it may extend beyond that because it says she stretches out her hands to the poor. She reaches forth her hands to the needy. Uh, so she was a blessing to the community as well. I, my sister, uh, you know, every time I go, she has visitors. And, uh, you know, the Bible said every, uh, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And uh, I told my sister, I said... Uh, uh, and I told some others, I said, she's, uh, I have two brothers and two sisters. And uh, she's probably the best one of the bunch. And it's not just because she's sick. Before she was sick, really, I think that was probably true. Uh, as far as uh, uh, showing love and, and concern and care uh, for others. Uh, but the community, I have really been impressed by uh, by the church and the community there uh, who have really reached out uh, to be a blessing and to be a help. And I think it is because, really, that in her life she has done the same. She has reached out and tried to be a blessing and tried to help and, and others during their time of, uh, of trial and, and their time of need. And now it's coming, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And now he's coming back to her. And here this virtuous woman did the same. She reached out her hand to the poor and she reached forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow and all this sort of thing and she makes the clothes. And, and, but the emphasis there is that she puts her family above herself. And that's the mark of a godly mother. Isn't it? And that's the natural... Uh, God-given, uh, uh, something God puts in your heart in. Uh, 
So this virtuous woman uh, fulfills that. And again, he talks about the husband there and uh, supporting her husband and fulfilling a lot of the responsibilities that maybe he would, uh, he would have to do, giving him the opportunity to serve there. He sit, sitteth among the elders of the land. And then she even makes things and sells it, makes the fine linen and sells it and delivers girdles unto the merchant, uh, trying to help uh, with the responsibility uh, in, in that way. Uh, and I think the, in, the, in the context of this virtuous woman uh, here in this situation that uh, she is uh, in the home, uh, being a wife, raising the kids, and, uh, you know, uh, making things to sell uh, to, uh, to help support the family in, in that way. So uh, we have the responsibility uh, in the... Uh, in the home, uh, in the church, and in society. Now, as far as the provision for the family, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. So the primary responsibility is the man, not the woman, but the man. That primary responsibility of provision and God said if a man won't do that, that he's worse than infidel, he's denied the faith. And we pointed that out uh, last week. Now in Proverbs 18 and verse 22, the Bible said, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Well, what a blessing. What a blessing to have a good wife. You know? And what a curse to have... <laughs> I have one that isn't. That could be said the same thing about the husband as far as that goes. Whoso findeth a wife. Now I think it's implied in the, in the context, I think it's implied God's choice of the wife. And of course there are other scriptures to support this. I mean, uh, you know, you can find a wife without, uh, without uh, I start to say without a lot of difficulty. I don't know how difficult it is. I haven't been looking for one. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, most women want to get married. Some don't, but, uh, but most uh, want to get married sometime. And uh, whoso findeth a wife, this, in, this implies you've got to look for one. You know, that, uh, you know, God's not going to, you wake up one morning, there's one, you know, standing on your door and knocking on the door. Said, the Lord sent me over here. Uh, that generally does not happen. Uh, so it implies that the man is to take the initiative. Now let me just insert here that, uh, you know, in our day, I mean, girls call boys. I mean, when I was growing up, that was unheard of. Uh, but it seems, that, you know, that, that, that the girls are running after boys now, uh, trying, you know. Uh, but... Uh, the scripture here talks about the man, I think, is to take the initiative hunting for the wife. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And it is. You know, marriage is, is a wonderful thing if God's in it. I mean, it's, it's the greatest blessing in the world. You know, I, I, I tried to instruct the young people to school and the church as well. 
that a person, if, if they will only follow God in this matter, you know, and I tell them, I say, you know, if you'll follow God, follow the Word of God and obey the commandments of the Lord, and you, you follow God's way and God's method in this matter, and you'll be thankful the rest of your life that you, you obeyed God. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean until you're married and obey God and follow God and tell boys to keep their hands off of you until you're married. And you will, you will thank God that you've done that. And those that reject that and don't follow the Lord, they all live to regret it. They always do. And this permissive society, I was, I was listening to, uh, to uh, uh, a program uh, today, uh, and uh, uh, it might have been James Kennedy's program, I don't know. But anyway, uh, they, they were talking about this matter of, of young people getting involved in immorality, and the statistics, uh, I mean, 12-year-old girls, I'll tell you, just break your heart. And he told how many by the age of 15 how many had already become involved in immorality. Now, that's sad. Uh, that, uh, uh, and many of them will, will grow up and, and have all kind of problems. If they ever do get married, they, uh, they will have many problems and many conflicts in a marriage. And, uh, you know, God's way is always best in it. I don't care if the whole world's going against it. God's way is always the best. And God has their interest at heart. The Lord's not against us. I mean, God wants you young ladies to have a husband. Problem. <laughs> or he may not, you know. There's some he may not. But, uh, but uh, God, God has somebody for you. And just wait on God. And wait on God's choice. And keep yourself pure. And you'll be glad that you did. And without the blessing of God, without the blessing of God, marriage can be like being in prison or worse, <laughs> you know. It can be an absolute horrible ordeal without the Lord. You say, how do you know? Well, I've counseled with, I've counseled with, uh, with enough over the years to know. And... Uh, I will not betray any confidence tonight for any, all the money in the world. But I could tell you some horror stories and some that's happened to Christians. Well, I'm a Christian, you know. This thing will work out for me. Well, it will if you follow God. But if you disobey the Lord, and, it, and let me say this, it doesn't end, it doesn't end just by finding the right man and the right girl. It only begins. It's a matter of following God in that choice, yes. Well, I did that, so everything else is going to work out. Well, it'll work out if you follow the Word of God. You follow God to get the right choice, and then you follow God after you get the choice in implementing God's truth and God's Word in that home to make it work, see. And it's a daily thing. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You secure the blessing of God on your home, see. 
Someone said, if you marry a child of the devil, you'll have trouble with your father-in-law. A lot of truth in that, isn't it? But if you marry God's choice, then you obtain favor of the Lord. You obtain the blessing of God on the union. And if you don't have the blessing of God on the union, then what hope do you have? Not much, do you? Not much. You don't have to look, you don't have to look at society and realize what's happened. <laughs> and not much hope, is there? And it's a battle with the Lord's blessings because the devil is out to destroy it. It's a battle with, with the, you know, the favor of the Lord. Let's bow our heads.